I think that it's really important to remember that when you're not showing up, people aren't asking where you are. They're just forgetting that you exist. So we need to be showing up consistently so that we are top of mind when someone has a problem that they're like, I just want this quick fix now, that you're the first person that comes to mind. Leaders Business Lab is for you, the business owner, entrepreneur, the expert in your field who wants to be seen and heard as the influential thought leader in your industry. My name is Samantha Riley and I've been building and growing businesses for over 26 years and I've learned there are three key areas to your success, your mindset, your talents and the people you surround yourself with. Each week, I interview successful entrepreneurs and deep dive to discover the exact strategies that they have used to build their business so that you can experiment and implement these strategies in your business too. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Hello and welcome to another Thursday episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab. I'm your Thursday co-host, Tim Hyde, and I'm joined by the jet-setting. I can say jet-setting because you flew there, didn't you? No, we drove here. We drove here. Yeah, I love doing road trips. It's good. Do you listen to podcasts or music? Both. So we download a whole heap of podcasts, but it, you know, 17 hours of just listening to podcasts would be a bit much. <laughs> so, so we alternate between music and podcasts. I occasionally do the Canberra to Melbourne drive, which is around seven and a half hours, mm-hmm. um, breaks and traffic and stuff, and find that if I listen to podcasts straight through, it just ends up being an, a blur. And I mm. don't really take anything away from any of them. Yeah, that's why you have to listen to them in short doses to make sure you can take all of the information in. I can listen to about three episodes in a row, but after that, I find my mind wandering a bit. But anyway. Or just listen to our upcoming seven-hour Thought Leaders Business Lab podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought we were doing a 24-hour marathon. <laughs> Are we? Oh, God. No, no, I would never make it. Now, today, today we've got a really cool topic, though. Right? Today we're actually going to talk about, speaking of, of content, we're going to talk about how a solid content strategy will attract clients to you. Now, content, of course, comes in all sorts of different forms. It comes in podcasts, it comes in video, it comes in written word, and it goes you know, just about everywhere, doesn't it? Social media, yeah. There's so much content these days that we need to be creating to put out there into the world. Look, before we get into this topic, Sam, I want to know your thoughts on whether are we at the, I guess, the peak of content you know, or, or content creation as a marketing strategy to bring people into our business? Or are we still kind of an emerging market? And I know you, know, you and I both on LinkedIn quite a bit. And I think I saw a, a stat the other day that suggested like literally only three to five percent of people on, on LinkedIn are creating regular content. But are we mm. are we at the saturation point yet or not? I don't believe we are, but I do believe it will evolve and change continually. Uh, for instance, Instagram is starting to lose people, but those people aren't getting off of Instagram and going nowhere. You know, TikTok, for example, is building. So as is podcasting, podcasting is, even though it's been around for 15 years, is still very, very young in the whole, you know, content creation strategy compared to YouTube, for example, or blogs. So there will always be new content coming out, new places to post our content. I don't think that we're at a saturation point 
I know that there is a lot of content out there. There is a huge amount of information on the internet. However, there are always people looking for what we're talking about and they're attracted to us, our viewpoint, our perspective, to our personality. So we still need to be constantly creating it, even though there's a lot out there. Yep, absolutely. So we, we talked about um, you know, some of the things that we wanted to talk about today as a content, as a, as a piece of content. Mm-hmm. And the first one of those is, is I guess, almost why people's content strategy doesn't work rather than mm. why it does. And that's, and that's often because we don't produce consistent content. And I don't necessarily mean consistent content by, you know, you're, you're posting to Twitter 20 times a day, is it? It's, mm-hmm. it, it is actually, I guess, building that regularity of content. Yeah, it is regularity. It's not putting up 20 posts on Twitter today and then not going near it for three months. You're far better off doing, you know, one thing every single day or consistently posting on LinkedIn three days a week or consistently sending out an email, you know, twice a week or even, you know, once a month if you can't manage something even more, but making sure that you're always sticking to some sort of consistent schedule so that you're posting on on the same day at the same time and getting into that habit because it's amazing how much of your audience is waiting for your content to come out. So you want to keep your followers happy. Yeah, incidentally, I mean, that's a really good point, I think, but there's this kind of subconscious effect by creating that regularity of content mm-hmm. as well and that consistency in that one of the things that, or one of the boxes, I guess, right, everyone has this sort of checklist of criteria in their mind that they're going to have to tick off before they say yes to buying your product or service. Absolutely. And one thing I heard years ago in a sales training was that in the absence of <laughs> the absence of no, yes is the only other answer. <laughs> <laughs> right? But you know, if, if we if we demonstrate consistency and regularity, that can't help but have this flow-on effect to how reliable your potential customer perceives you to be. And for just about everybody, that is a criteria of purchase. Mm, I think that it's really important to remember that when you're not showing up, people aren't asking where you are. They're just forgetting that you exist. So we need to be showing up consistently so that we are top of mind when someone has a problem that they're like, I just want this quick fix now that you're the first person that comes to mind. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that's the first one, right? So produce consistent content. And again, it doesn't have to be 20 times a day. It could be once a week, but as long as you're consistent with that content. I'd probably say I think people should be producing content or publishing content and use the tools that are available to you in the market to help you sort of schedule that. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say at least twice a week that you should be putting some form of content out in your channels at least twice a week. I would even be... Yeah, I, I definitely, I mean, something is better than nothing. And I'm always a very big advocate for that. But I think that you should be having some sort of content going out every day. And that doesn't mean necessarily on all channels. So if you've got, for example, a LinkedIn going out Tuesday, Thursday, at least having an email that maybe goes out Monday, Wednesday, make sure you've got, you know, your Facebook posts going out Friday and, you know, Tuesday. So at least that you're showing up somewhere every single day. Yep. Absolutely. Right. But if you're not doing twice a week, all right, think about whether this is a strategy that's going to work for you. (laughs) Well, go with 
the twice a week strategy first. Absolutely. Go, yeah. yeah. And then step up, and then step up. Okay. Absolutely. Number two, all right, is, and I guess we see this quite a bit, don't we? It's either not producing content that's relevant for their desired target market. But I'm going to take that one further and potentially say not putting it in the right places for them to see it. Mm, which is actually two very different things there. The first one being producing the content that your target market I guess, understand what it is you do and how you can help them. And then exactly like you said, Tim, which is a good pickup, making sure that you're putting it in the right place once you have created it so that the ideal people see that content. You know, we were talking about Twitter just before. I don't personally post on Twitter. That's not where my target market's hanging out. So for me to put some really detailed, fantastic blog post up there, it's, it's not going to get the same bang for its buck as it is on LinkedIn. Yeah, you might have to link it because it's not going to be very detailed with only 140 characters. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you, you are very, uh, what's, that, what's that word they used to use in English? You know, uh, clear, clearly and concisely. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably why I don't use Twitter. It's too hard to think. How can I say this? All of these words in 140 characters. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, I reckon number, number three around um, having a sort of really good content strategy is around not giving away all the answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see a lot of people creating content and giving the how away. So how to be able to solve that problem rather than what the problem is, why you've got that problem. Um, definitely some steps like what but not the how. Yeah, absolutely. So what, not how is a, is a good one to have, all right? Uh, number four? Not asking for the sale. This is like the complete, you know, the opposite, but I'm sure you see this a lot too, Tim. People producing quality content, people producing consistent content, which were the first two things that we talked about, but then actually making the mistake of not asking for the sale is definitely uh, one of the other problems. Yeah, we talked, um, and we have talked extensively uh, about you know having this sort of breaking down your your customer journey right mm-hmm. into these sort of micro components. So, Sam, I know you do you know you do events every year, and and you know you'll create your content strategy specifically around lead up to the to that event. Right. Mm-hmm. So, if you're talking LinkedIn. As I know you are in Adelaide at the moment, you'll create yes. a lot of content that's focused on driving people towards that LinkedIn workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we should even break our content down even smaller than that. Right? Mm-hmm. And I must think in these little micro steps that if I'm creating content for content's sake and putting it out there and not asking my reader or my viewer or my listener to do the next step, we're kind of missing that opportunity to take them onto the next thing, right? So it might be in the next article, this is where we're going to expand on this. This is part one. Now look for part two. You know, in this podcast, for example, we we give a next step. So if you want to connect with me, go here. If you want to connect with Sam, go over there, right? So those are things that we put into this to say the next step I want you to do is this thing. Now, it mm-hmm. may not necessarily be a purchase. So mm-hmm. asking for the sale isn't necessarily, you know, hand over your money. Yeah, good pickup. So not asking for the sale is just, the, you know, not asking your ideal client or not asking your audience, what is it that you want them to do next? Yeah. So, and again, it might be, you know, tune into the next episode. It might be, you know, download this sort of worksheet that's related to this piece of content. It might be... Join my Facebook group. Call. It might be join my Facebook group to find out more about this particular topic. And if we forget that... I think we lose the opportunity to move the next step. A couple of years ago, um, I used to run an online media company and I did speak to a guy who 
had published an amazing series of articles. He was a business coach, published this incredible series of articles in the Byron Bay Advertiser. Mm-hmm. And he was their, you know, their Saturday morning business columnist. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the year, he's gone, oh, it's not working. I'm not going to stay in Byron. I'm going to move towns and I'm going to try again somewhere else, thinking that potentially maybe his target market wasn't in Byron Bay and, and, and surrounds. And he um, had this conversation and I said, look, send me some of your articles because and read these things and they were incredible. And he'd actually gone as far as building almost an entire, you know, business management framework that he wow it was you know academic level stuff wow (laughs) it was pretty incredible all right and they all missed the call to action right and i he he even expressed at the end of it says oh that would explain why that you know some of them my friends said oh what are you doing your stuff's amazing you know why are you moving Mm. at the end of this 12 months and it's all because he'd missed that thing to say if you want to know more go here if you want to help on this go here wow it's the next step and we uh, we see i think we see it all the time we miss that next opportunity absolutely that's something that i see a lot of people doing saying you know social media doesn't work or creating content doesn't work but there's so many pieces to the to the puzzle to getting it you know everything in the right place to create that picture and and then you know whatever that next step is is so very important all right so we we know the four things that that we need to do now uh, let's jump into the steps of how we create that content that will attract clients to you. And that very first piece is to, you must know the frustrations and wants of your ideal client or your target market, your ideal customer avatar, the way, whatever way you want to say it, you need to really know what it is that they're frustrated by, their pain points and what it is that they want. What what do they want to have instead? Uh, really, really important. How do you get this information, Tim? For me, it's unfortunately it's not a very scientific. <laughs> I, mean, I, know, I know there are some so like some better approaches. In fact, I'm doing that at the moment. I'm having one of my team reach out to you know 20 or 30 people in my in my network both clients and, and, and people who represent the kind of client that I want to go after and actually sort of asking questions. Right? So that's the first one, you know, tell me about your business. What are your frustrations around this thing? What questions are you looking for? That's one way. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, the other way that I find really effective is actually just having broad conversations and, and, and listening. Yeah. And I think the gold there is listening. Yeah. So, you know, as you write down the notes of uh, you know, that are pertinent to what you're trying to sell to a client, start to jot down in the margin, you know, the other things that they raise, right? The other questions that they ask, listen for the, listen for the metadata beneath the question. Mm-hmm. Okay? And when you have enough, you start to become very good at that. I was just talking to my wife yesterday. She um, she's a property manager, but also has a buyer's agency as well. And she's, you know, spending millions of dollars of other people's money, which sounds like a really good job. Oh, that sounds like a fantastic job. Why didn't I think of that one? All right. <laughs> but the things, the things that she's hearing in her questions aren't, you know, when she talks to clients, isn't necessarily the question that's in their mind, mm. right? We often talk about with content, we want to, you know, enter the conversations in our customer's mind. So when she's talking to clients about their budgets and stuff, you know, the concern that they're really not, when they're not specifically expressing but is that they don't want to be ripped off. They don't want to buy a lemon. No, they don't want to overpay. They want to make sure it's the right fit for them. And these are the sort of things that we need to answer. Now, if we can then take those questions and put them into our content, it becomes very, very effective. Mm, There's actually three types of problems that people have. The first is known 
spoken problems. So these are the problems that people know that they have and they speak about them. They, they talk about them with their mates at the pub or, you know, with their girlfriends. Then the second type of problems is the known and unspoken problems. These are the problems that they know that they have but they don't speak about them. So these are a little, these are deeper. These are the kind of problems that keep you up at night. And then there's the unknown, unspoken problems. These are the problems that people don't even know that they have. Most people create their content in the known and spoken um, bracket, that very top bracket. But if you can go down a bracket and really, really, when, like you said before, Tim, when you're really listening to your, your prospects, and I think a sales call is the best place to do that because you're actually talking with the right people to really get clear on those known and unspoken problems and to create content around it, that is good. And occasionally touch on those unknown, unspoken problems, but you don't want to create all your content in that bracket either because otherwise it will, it will miss the mark. But it's okay to touch on that. Um, a little bit, but you know, more that known unspoken and uh, then heading into the unknown unspoken. Yeah, absolutely. I just find um, I'm actually applying this with myself at the moment. Um, so it's going to be an interesting experiment to see how it comes out. I'm actually going completely away from listing services on my website. Yeah, no, this is really interesting. You and I have had quite a lot of conversations over the last couple of days about this. Can you talk us through, you know, the, the, the way that you're moving from and to, because this is super interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, historically I've said, you know, on my website, I've got, you know, CRM, marketing automation, marketing consulting sort of stuff, which is obviously very out, very, I guess, a process driven solution sort of thing, which can work if your customer is solution aware. Mm -hmm. right? So if they're looking for a specific outcome, that can work really well. But if you're customer doesn't really know what it is that they're buying, sometimes it's better to shift it away and say, again, talk problem. Right? So one of the things I'm having <laughs> an internal dialogue with myself at the moment, and I'm, as I said, I'm going to try it and see how it comes out. So I will report back in a future episode as well, is to say that I don't have services lifts on my website. I'm going to have problems that we solve. And the mm. problems that, that we solve with more clients will be no strategy, no systems and no clue. Mm. And this is where you really need to know who your ideal customer avatar is because for you, you're dealing with a lot of people that have been in business a long time, they're successful. So they, and but maybe you're a little bit older or don't understand exactly what some of these systems do, but being able to talk to the problems they're totally all over that because they completely know what's going on. It's just that they're so busy creating a successful business, they haven't had the time to research what is a CRM. And that's why I really, really like this. So you're moving from the solutions to problems framework and moving to a problems to solutions framework. I really, I'm really interested to see how you go with this and looking forward to the report back. I've got a feeling there could be a whole episode here. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things I want to try to move away from is rather than being necessarily to be a little bit more diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Well, the problem is this and here are the solutions that we can put in place to solve this problem mm. as opposed to being a bit more prescriptive to say, well, you've inquired about this thing, so therefore that's what I'm going to sell you. Yeah, and I think that a lot of us can get caught up in that at some time or another. But, you know, if you think about if you were sick and you went to the doctors and you walked into the doctor's surgery and the first thing the doctor did was hand you a prescription, you'd be thinking, I don't really trust this doctor. He hasn't even asked me what my symptoms are. You know, he could have given me a prescription for, you know, some sort of stomach flu. And in actual fact, you've got a head cold. I don't know. You know, it's we need to ask what is wrong? What are the symptoms so that then we can prescribe? So, uh, uh, yeah. 
yeah. On the other hand, it might keep them on, might keep them on time. A little bit. <laughs> I think that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so we really want to make sure that we're talking about our ideal customer's problem and helping them feel that problem and get to an emotional, bring an emotional connection into what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So that's the first piece, knowing the frustrations and wants of your target market and creating content around that. But the second thing is the consistency we talked about earlier. So the second thing that we suggest is that you create a content schedule to make sure that that content is going out consistently. So as you mentioned before, Tim, there's lots of automations we can we can use to, to schedule our content. But how do you create your schedule before you even schedule it? Like how do you create? Before, yeah, before I stick it into a, an automation tool that's going to do the work on my behalf. That's right. right. Now, whether you've got to, if you could do this yourself, obviously, right? It's just it requires you going into each of those systems and going, it's Monday at 9 a.m. I need to post to Facebook right now. Is actually sort of starting to map out what what sort of content and where it wanna go is a really effective use of a call called Trello. Mm-hmm. We talked about Trello before. Is you know Trello uses a what we call a Kanban board system. Right? So it's just like lists and, and cards on those boards. One of the effective uses of that I've seen is to actually put your posts into that board system. Mm-hmm. So if you have someone else producing your content for you, it might be a VA or somebody, or you're doing it, you can start to kind of visually see what content is going in what channels on what days. Mm-hmm. Right? So you can put a, you know, the, the picture up, you can put the text up, you can sort of say, okay, yes, this is approved, or this one needs some spell checking, or this one doesn't have a call to action in it. And you can use that tool like that to actually start to plan where your content's going. You could equally just use post-it notes and a whiteboard. You could. I right? do something like, This that- is the piece of content. This is what I want to talk about. And this is where it's going to go into the bigger, the bigger schedule. And I yep. know, you know, using where you've got a very dis- distinct outcome to say, hey, this is when I need to start my launch posts. This is when I need to open my shopping cart posts, you know, those sorts of things as well. Mm, yeah, we were talking about that before we started recording. The way that I would map out from a high level is I sit down with a yearly calendar, put all of my launches in and then reverse engineer all the posts and the content that need to be created leading up into those. But once I've done that, I, I use a really high tech way to uh, to map out my content. I yeah. use a spreadsheet <laughs> and it's all color-coded. So on the front sheet of the spreadsheet is all the different channels, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, email, what, whatever I'm doing, and they're all color-coded, podcast, the blog, everything. And then behind that sits for each month the the list, you know, the links with that for our Google Docs or the, the images that are going to be put with those posts go into the, into that Google folder and everything just sits there in that one place. So, so myself or any of my team members at any time can go in and just grab all of the the collateral, all of the text, all of the images and know exactly where it needs to go at what time. Yeah. I think it's just it's just a matter of finding a tool that works for you. Really, mm-hmm. Whether it's whether it's an Excel spreadsheet, whether it's a Trello, whether you want to kind of you know put an alarm in your phone to say post to Facebook today, record podcast today, whatever it is for you, you just do you do some you do need some system right, that keeps you accountable. So I guess the best system for you is the one that works. <laughs> I think that's probably the, a really great way to sum that up. Although, um, thank you, Tim, for giving me an idea of Trello. We're actually in. We're actually just swapping from Asana to Trello. So there's another episode of uh, of why we're we're doing that. But I'm going to have a go at moving our spreadsheet to Trello. Well, Excellent. I'll have to show you how I do it sometime. <laughs> that's an episode for another piece of content. 
It is. So today we'd love to hear from you. What's your biggest takeaway from this episode? We have started putting up discussion threads in the Thought Leaders Business Lab Community Facebook group. So we would love you to head into the Facebook group and let us know what your takeaways are. Let us know any questions that you've had from listening to this. Tim and I are happy to jump in there and would love to jump in there and share some more with you. What are we going to talk about next week, Tim? Oh, look, I think this is a really important one because it kind of is a nice little segue on from a couple of episodes we've been talking about lately and this one particularly as well but it's how to make and sustain a regular 10k month because we know so often we have conversations with people who are going how do I crack this 10,000 how do I yeah. be a coach and consultant that's kind of the first benchmark of I'm like now a legit business owner yeah yeah and it's that 10,000 and I know a lot of people kind of bounce off this glass ceiling at 10,000 and that's what we're going to sort of drill into in the next episode. Absolutely. If you've liked this episode, please head down wherever you're wherever you're finding this episode, head down below, give us a like or a comment. Please ask questions. But thank you for listening. That's the most important thing we want to say. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us today. And Tim, thank you for joining me for another Thursday episode. Thank you, Sam. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. But before we go, have you joined us in the Thought Leaders Business Lab community on Facebook? If not, jump over there right now and connect with other entrepreneurs who are also building and scaling their business. See you next time in the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Thanks.